Welcome back, folks. Let me tell you something. You're in for a treat today. I guarantee you. It's going to change somebody's life. My special friend, really, seriously, Bishop Larry Ragland, Birmingham, Alabama. Bishop, great to have you. What an honor. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. I appreciate Amen. it. I tell you what, we've been hanging out together the last couple of days. Yes. And uh, we've had a lot of fun. Very much needed. It's been great for me and my wife and just great to be up here. And it's always a pleasure to be with you and Heidi. Amen. You are pastoring one of the great churches in America, Solid Rock Church, Birmingham, mm. Alabama. Praise the Lord. I love going there. Power of God's there. We love it when you come down and be with us too. <laughs> yeah, Solid Rock Church is, is a blessing to us and our community there in Birmingham. It really is. And you know, God needs to establish churches like yours in every city to where people can really, there's people hungering for the Holy Ghost, yes. for the Word of God, yes. place to worship. Yes. Nowadays, more than ever, people's looking for the real deal. Right. And, you know, I'm not saying we're only the real deal, but what we try to tell our folks is, you know, there's people out there looking for who's really believing in the power of God still, looking for the Lord and uh, keeping our eyes focused on the Word of God. So we're excited to be alive in this moment. I tell our church all the time, instead of being sad about all that's going around, around you right now, right. thank God that He trusted you to be alive at this moment. Amen. Amen. Don't yes. be, don't be doubting and pouting yep. why you're living in this time. Be shouting. Yes. This absolutely. is the coming of the this Lord. This is it, man. This is the time to be alive. Right Amen. Here. Well, it hasn't always been, you haven't always been who you are today. Oh, no. no. And uh, your story is so unique and so powerful. And you've written a book. Yes. I see greatness in you. Yes, sir. Uh, what a book. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was uh a uh, book that was not easy to write because uh, it deals with a lot of issues of my childhood and things that went through we went through in the ministry and our marriage. Uh, but more than anything, it's a story of grace. It's a story of the power of God that He, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done, uh, there is hope for you. Uh, there is a plan for you, uh, but you've just got to surrender your life to that. And more than anything, sometimes you need somebody to see that in you. And that's the key of what happened in my life. And I hope that's what happens over these broadcasts, that, that God can use our words to speak in, into your life and to let you know that there is greatness in you because you're creating the image of God. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, let's give the audience a little, a little clip here and let you see for about the next six minutes, folks, watch this. Uh, it's like a pilot of uh, the preview of this book. And then we come back, I think we'll be ready to ask you some questions. So Sounds good to me. Take a look at this. You're a loser. You're a failure. You're a liar. Stop it. Leave the boy alone. This has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. You shut up. Okay, that's it. We're leaving. Do you hear me? We are leaving you. I'm never going to be like my father. I know you won't, son. You're strong. You can be anything you want to be. You're gonna be all right. My favorite shotgun. What are you doing? Put that gun down. Come here, Larry. Come here! Put your finger on the trigger, son. Stop it! Shut up! Larry, kill me. Pull the trigger. Blow my brains out. If you let your mother leave me, that's what I'm gonna do. So you might as well do it now. Either way, it'll be your fault. Okay, okay, we'll stay. I hate that man. 
I never want to see him again. I wish he wasn't my father. He's not. It affected me greatly as a child, what I had to go through with my father. It's hard for me to talk about it. You know, I know many people's had it much worse than me. I'm not saying that I was abused on the level that many others are, uh, but it affected me emotionally, affected me mentally, and affected what kind of husband I was and father, things I had to learn. So even in the stage of my grandfather world that I live in now, uh, sometimes it's, it's, as cheesy as it sounds, I, I still feel like a, that little boy at times, and I, I, I've learned over the years I don't, I don't think that will ever leave me. And, and, and honestly, I, I really don't want it to. I'll be honest with you, I really don't. I, I just, I feel like it, it keeps me focused on what I want to be as a man. Larry, you've got to pay your bills. Can't you see what you're doing to yourself? Who are you hanging out with every night? Just leave me alone. Larry Raglan, as long as you're in this house, you have to tell me what you're going to do. You don't want to know. Where do you go every night, and what are you doing? It's none of your business. Okay, that's it. Get out of my house. It's the middle of the night. I said get out. Why are you doing this? You're just like your father. Larry and I first met in algebra class, I think my first year in high school. I met my wife, Sandy, around, it was in the mid-80s, and I met her in school. You just formed the opinion and idea, this person has to be the loudest person in the room and the center of attention. My whole life, because of what I've been through, I had to cover up um, the pain. So I was the funny guy, I was the jock, I was always trying to be the center of attention. When Larry started opening up to me and I could see things about his home life, I could see, you know, dysfunction. I met her family and her family was like the perfect family that I just only dreamed that somebody could live in. There were problems between his parents in the past. There were issues presently. So I thought this is the package deal. I mean, this is everything that I never dreamed I would ever have in my life. I've now got it. Uh, but the problem was I was still me and I was still a fraud. Are you kidding me? What were you thinking? All of this over three rented VHS tapes? Look at me, boy! Why didn't you just return them? thought I was. I've lied to you. Deceived you. I promise you I'll, I'll never speak badly of you. I, I just want you to be happy. So please walk away. I promise you I'll never hold it against you. 
I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Sadie, you heard and saw what just happened in there. I haven't been honest with you on many levels. Why would you ever want to stay with me? I see greatness in you. I had never, ever heard those words before. Everything in my life changed with those five words. Sandy and I, we are partners to the core. Every single thing we've ever done in life, we've done it together. And here we are 26 years later at this point, pastoring this church over 30 years of ministry and still going strong. And certainly because of what I came from, I'm driven to help the underdog, to help the abused. And, and our heart is, as many years as we got left together, uh, we're gonna enjoy our grandkids, uh, we're gonna enjoy our time together, but this phase of our ministry, we feel like God's gonna use to impact more lives than we ever dreamed. So yeah, we're, we're just getting started. I told you, wow. I mean, P Bishop, this mm. story grabs you right at the heart. Mm. And let me just say something. Your wife loves you. Oh, <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, I'm already getting emotional, Pastor. <laughs> uh, this, you know, it's, it's been some of the things that you saw in that video clip and some of the things you read in the book is, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now as you're watching this. So it goes back 40 something years. And uh, many times the pain is still as fresh today as it was then. But you know, I was not fortunate enough to be raised in a, a typical, wonderful home and stuff. My mom loved me greatly, uh, but I guess you'd call my situation some severe daddy issues. Uh, I, was, I was abused by my father uh, physically uh, quite often, uh, injured by my father uh, for the first several years of my life. Um, I was more than anything verbally abused. I was told most of my childhood that I would never amount to be anything that my, my destiny and you got to keep understanding this. This is a five, a six, seven, eight-year-old child here, mm -hmm. being told, you know, I'm going to end up being a bomb, end up in jail, uh, so forth. So, my entire childhood, even my memories now, I uh, don't really have a whole lot of, if any, good memories with my father. So it sort of shaped me and defined me and set me into a motion of my life that would create a pattern of my life of of just brokenness, feeling like uh, I was completely inadequate to be anything. And like many that are maybe watching now, if you're from any kind of a volatile situation, you develop ways of hiding that. Yeah. So I spent most of my childhood, my teenage years and my young adult life trying to hide the pain uh, and the definition that I had been defined by this man. And uh, so it created, honestly, even to this day, I'm still a lot of times that little boy inside. So the clip is just a taste of, of some of the horrific things that my father put me through and, and how I had to battle my way through forgiving him. Uh, but one thing, as I think most people know watching this program, uh, knows that with God all things are possible. Amen. And, Amen. Uh, you know, and we know that. Yes. But sometimes, even though we know that, I was raised in a Christian home for most of my life, uh, we still don't really believe it until God begins to send some people into your life that to sow different seed. Yes, because you were because you know the Bible says uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yes, yes. And so if people keep planting a seed of negativity yeah, and yeah, doubt, yes, you know that's all you're getting. 
And of course, you're going to repeat what they say. Right. So the power of life and death is in your tongue. They're saying that to me. In turn, I'm saying it about myself. Yes. So it creates this vicious cycle where you hear what they're saying and then you begin to say what they're saying. So your whole life begins to be basically self-fulfillment. But I'm so thankful. You know, you talked about my wife and that's the premise of the book in the terms, the words I see greatness in you is is those five words. It's just five words. Five words. And all these years later, she was a little 19-year-old girl straight out of high school. I'm just this young whippersnapper, don't know anything. But but behind, she fell in love with me. I fell in love with her. But that moment in my life, I realized that she didn't really know the real me. She, I think her spirit did. That's why she was able to say that to me. But uh, the real me needed to be exposed. And at that moment, it was exposed. And for the first time in my life, the first time in my life, somebody looked into me and spoke life into me. And I'm telling you, the power of life and death it's, that's in the tongue is one of the most underrated scriptures in scripture because yep. it can literally not only shape a person's life, it can shape uh, uh, an entire community. Because yes. if, you, if, if a person begins to believe that and see that they were creating the image of God, then that snowball affects. Because now I started saying, not that I'm great, that's greatness in me. I started saying, I am God who you said I am. Yeah. And it changed my life. So, you know, that it, it reverberates when someone, anything that's said, whether negative or positive. Yes. And her uh, her response to you or her statement to you, yeah. I see greatness in you. Yes. Uh, planted a new seed in you that had never been planted. And uh, it gave you hope, I guess. I mean, I've hope. asked her multiple times, Pastor, what as a 19-year-old kid, straight, just a few months out of high school, yeah. would cause you to say those words to me? And she said every time, it wasn't me, Larry. It wasn't me. I, there were my feelings in my heart, but it was God. She yeah. said, I felt God speak through me that you needed to hear that. I felt that way, but I Amen. needed you to know that God Amen. felt that way. And, and that, so it put me on a course of doing everything I can do for the rest of my life to making sure other people know that about themselves. Wow. Well, you've just told us a little bit of the story. I got to get some more out of you. And we're going to do that. We'll be right back, folks, in just a moment. I tell you, folks, I, I'm, I'm starting. I'm trying to hold back the tears. Yeah. I think they're already coming out of your yes, eyes. Yeah, it's, it's the only um, beginning. But but if people knew, I guess, Larry uh, Bishop, if people understood, and there's folks out there watching who yeah. do, yes, know, yes, that the uh, trauma and the and the abuse of yeah. a child is yeah. is can be defining, and for some folks. It does define their whole life. They Absolutely. can never overcome it. Right. Some of these things that happened to you were pretty traumatic. Can you share oh, some? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was raised in what you would call a Christian home. We went to church every Sunday, uh, my father included. My father sang on the stage. And I, I know a lot of people have experienced this, too, that the person that they saw in the church was not the person that we lived with. Yeah. And uh, so it was a very difficult uh, definition in my life as a small child of God in church because, you know, I was confused because yeah. he's my father. I'm looking at my father and I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing something that's opposite here uh, of, you know, the, our heavenly father. So my father was, uh, it was not just traumatic in the physical aspect and the verbal aspect. It was, it was confusing because everybody that knew our family uh, thought my father was the greatest father in the world because he knew how to come to church and he would um, get up on the stage and sing and he was extremely gifted 
and singing. It wow. was very powerful. And, and quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, people wept, came to the altars, the anointing was there. And many times before we'd ever leave the parking lot, he was cursing the pastor, cursing me and my brother and my, and my mom. Almost and, like a split personality. Yes, yes, almost like a split personality. So it made it even more difficult for us as children to hear all these people talking about this man. And I know many people can identify with this, but it's not the man that they lived with at home. And so my father, I think, was, now that I'm older and had time to think about it, he had a lot of issues that as a child you don't understand. No. And, uh, and he took out uh, some things on me that was his frustrations because he knew a truth about me that I didn't know about myself right. that I reveal in the book yes. that I didn't know about myself. He knew that. And later on I realized when he looked at me, he didn't see his son. So it, 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 I'm not condoning what he did to me, uh, but he did quite a few things to me. Well, and you've had time to... Uh, Re reflect on yes. why he did what he did, and and now from a from a grown yeah. Yeah. Uh, grown up man's perspective, you're yeah. trying to rationalize a little bit, aren't yeah. you? Well, I'm trying to apply the grace to okay. his memory. He's no longer here, but to to his memory, and and I had to work through that kind of forgiveness because you know I'd, I was a grown man, and I'd flash back to stories of my childhood. Yeah. You know, as children of my own, my pastor in a church, and I still can't get over it. You know. Just to give an example is, you know, many times my mom would, would uh, threaten to leave and we're yeah. going to leave you and all that. And he'd make all the promises in the world. And one particular time that shaped me is, uh, you know, we're getting ready, the car's packed. And he goes in there and he takes a 12-gauge shotgun. He comes back in there where I'm at. you got to understand, I'm nine, 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 nine and a half years mm. old. Mm. And uh, he looks at me. He says, boy, you look at me. And, of course, it's in the video clip, uh, not as graphic, obviously, as it really was in real life. Is, you know, he, he says, you watch me. And he pushed both of those shotgun shells in that double barrel and pulled it up, pulled both of the, the, the triggers and cocked them back. He says, you look at me, boy. And he said, he said, you will not leave with your mother. You will not leave with your mother. And he goes, and he took that barrel double barrel and stuck it in his mouth, both barrels in his mouth. And with that barrel in his mouth, he grabbed my little nine and a half year old hand and stuck it on the, had the double triggers and stuck it on the triggers and said, started screaming, pull the triggers, pull the triggers, blow my brains out, blow my brains out right now. Kill me, son. And, and I was just like, I don't want to do that. No, Dad. Please stop not. it. No. Please stop. No. Don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. And he goes, well, I'm going to tell you something. This is the power of words. He said, I'm going to tell you something. You might as well pull the trigger. Because if you get in that car and you leave with your mother, I'm going to pull the trigger. And for the rest of your life, you will know you still killed me. Oh. You killed me one way or the other. And at that moment, I'm trembling. And my mother said, I'm sorry. We'll stay. We'll stay. I, I hated to say his name. I'm sorry. I shouldn't yeah. have said his name. Because I don't want to dishonor him even at this point in my life. But he said, we'll stay. Yeah. We'll stay. And, uh, and we did. Of course, she eventually left. But those are the kind of things that you don't just get over as a child. No. I'm, I'm telling you, you can say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can go out to eat with your dad. You can go play. You can go fish. You don't get over those moments. And to this day, it's still tough for me to even tell that story, that that happened to me. And I know there are millions of people all over this, this nation and the world that may not have that exact situation, but they've had some kind of traumatic situation yes. that they can't seem to get over. No. But I want to tell you. There is hope. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm just not one of them preachers going to say, you know, there's hope, trusting God. You, that's bottom line what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you, there really is hope. Amen. There really is hope. Yes. No matter what has happened to you, there really is. But sometimes it takes people from the outside 
looking in, to come in and remind you of the goodness of God. And that's my story. If it wasn't for the people that God brought in my life, I don't know if I'd ever Well, you know, I think what happens is, obviously, is we get, any of us, all of us, can get overwhelmed by the mountain in front of us. Yeah. In your case, the experiences and then the remembering of those experiences and yeah. the seed yeah. of negativity sown yeah. into your life and the yeah. fear yeah. and everything else and the guilt yeah, absolutely. and whatever else. Yeah. And because you blame yourself as a child. Right. You're like, what did I do wrong? Right. This had to be my fault. Right. And that's what happens to so many people that are in abusive situations is that they are abused. But the, the part of that abuse is it's turned on you. And you begin to tell yourself, well, if I wasn't as bad as I am, maybe he wouldn't do that or mm. maybe she wouldn't do that. It's a lie from the pits of hell. It's like the woman that was uh, drugged before Jesus. They accused her of adultery. You know, and you got the entire community almost. You got these leaders, and they're just, and they're just, she should die. And they're, they're calling her everything. Yeah. And you can imagine the traumatic event. And at some point, if, if people keep doing this to people, they, you beat, you break their spirit. You begin to believe it. Yeah. You say it must be true because these are not just people that I don't know that I met at Walmart. Yeah. These are people that mean something to me that are supposed to be defining me. And when people that are supposed to be defining you are calling you a loser and a, and a liar and an idiot, then you say, well, they're the ones that know me. They're the ones that made me. So I must be the problem. Mm. And that's what I spent most of my life feeling like is that I'm the problem. Yeah. So I hated myself. So I had to figure out a way to pretend to be somebody to that I wasn't. That, to hide it. To hide it. And that was the story of most of my life. I was a fake and I was a fraud because the real me, everybody else thought I was this popular jock and all this in high school. But inside of me, I was a loser. I was a liar. I was a failure. Well, folks, when we come back, we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk some more with Bishop Larry. And uh, let me just tell you something. There is hope yes. because there is greatness in you. All right, folks. All right. I mean, uh, I'm holding back the tears, the emotions. <laughs> Larry, I know you are, Bishop. Yes, sir. Um, tough, tough story to tell. I'm yeah. proud of you, first of all. Thank you. Uh, it's a brave thing what you did writing this book. Thank you. Brave thing to come on here today. Um, but there is hope, isn't there? Absolutely. I want everybody out there to know there is hope. There's hope in Jesus. But, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, Sandy, we'll talk about it in future segments. You can read about it in the book. Those five words, I see greatness in you, changed my life. And I, it set me on course to be the Sandy for as many as I can be. And I want to be that Sandy to you right now. I want you to know right now that the reason I can't see you face to face, but I know I can see greatness in you is because you were created in the image of God. God would not have made you if you did not have a purpose. And he don't do things small. He does things great. And, but sometimes you just got to say it over yourself. So, you know, maybe you just need to say there is greatness in me because God made me. And I'm going to be praying for you. Amen. Amen. Folks, seriously, uh, Larry, let me just say right now, Bishop, that that there are people out there who are broken. Yes. That maybe somebody has never said, I see greatness in you. Right. Maybe it's because maybe they've never met Jesus Christ as their Savior. Yes. Would you, would you just look at the camera for a moment again yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and just lead them in a prayer of repentance? Absolutely. So that's the most important thing you'll ever say with your mouth is the prayer of repentance. So I want to tell you right now, the first thing you got to know is you got to see yourself, whatever state yourself, that yourself is in, that you are in, that God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to fix anything about you. 
before God can change your life. All you got to do is believe in your heart that the, that the God we're talking about truly does love you. And you just need to confess him as your Lord and Savior. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you see greatness in me. That's why you died on the cross for my sins. So Jesus, I'm asking you right now to accept me and to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And from this day forward, I will walk as a child of God with my head held high because I know you made me great in your image. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my, my. But here's the thing. You've just told us a little bit of the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, look, you got to get the book, folks. You got to get the book, okay? And uh, and some of you need to plan on coming to Birmingham, Alabama yes. in October, October 13th through the, the 15th. 15th. Yes. And stick around because I'm preaching Sunday morning the 17th, okay? Yes, sir. But uh, next week, I need you to tell me a little bit more about the defining moment Absolutely. when your wife said, I see greatness in you. Yes. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you. Appreciate sir. you being with I us. I appreciate you. See you guys next week.